dig into it. We, we develop our roots. And so reading from uh, Colossians chapter 2 and verse 6 through verse 10, Paul is speaking to people who would, as we know, call themselves Christians, believers, speaking to a church. And says, as you therefore have received Christ Jesus as Lord, as you've therefore received him as Lord, you, you, you're confessing that you've made him Lord over your life. You see, when we confess that we have made Jesus Christ Lord of our life, we, we, and we call ourselves Christians, we call ourselves born again, you know, I believe Jesus expects us to act like it. To act, act like we, and, and, and live as, we, as who we say we are. Says, as you therefore have received Christ Jesus, Lord, so walk in Him. So walk the walk. Don't just talk the talk. Walk out your relationship with Jesus. Walk out your salvation experience. Walk out who you are and whose you are in your daily life. Says, so walk in, rooted and built up in Him and established in the faith as you have been taught. You see, that we have every opportunity for us to get an understanding and get revelation of who we are in Christ Jesus. It probably, I've been a Christian for a long time. It probably took me until I was in my 30s or late 20s, early 30s that I really got a, got a, got a handle on who I am in Christ. I knew I was a Christian, I knew I was saved, but my position in Christ, who I am, and what that means to me, and what it means for Christ in me, the hope of glory, what it means to have, for me to have the power of heaven within me, I've been a Christian for a long, long time. And it took some teaching, and it took me some understanding to bring, to bring revelation to me. It says, abounding with it with thanksgiving. See, beware lest anyone cheat you through philosophy and empty deceit according to the tradition of men, according to the basic principles of the world, and not according to Christ. For in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. <laughs> wow. And you are complete in him. Wow. If you're feeling fidgety, nudge the person next to you and say, wow, that, that is good. <laughs> I'm complete in him, who is the head of all principality and powers. It says, rooted and built up in him and established in this faith. You see, when we got saved, we, we got a new root system. You know, we got a new root system. You know, we got, we, we got new DNA. All the power of heaven was... was transferred to us when we said yes to Jesus and say, I could confess my sin. For, thank you for forgiving me of my sin and making me a new person. Doesn't mean to say we don't still mess up uh, and sin, but the Bible says that if we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So we're on this journey of living right with God. He's made everything available to us. And so throughout the Bible, we're encouraged to feed and to nourish and to protect those roots that we have. If we want to see fruitful life, how do you believe God wants you to be fruitful? 
How do you believe what the Bible says about in, in John chapter 10 and verse 10 about he wants us to live and he's given us everything so that we can live a rich and a satisfying life? John 15, 16, he talks about that we are to be people who are producing fruit and fruit that remains. And that's just ongoing fruit, continually bearing fruit. In Psalm 1 and verse 3, the whole of the Psalm 1 starts off with, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the paths of sinners, nor sits at the feet of the scornful. It's amazing where, where we feed ourselves from to try and be who we've been called to be. We know we're a Christian, but sometimes we feed ourselves from places that you know, aren't going to do a lot for us as a Christian. It goes on and says, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and he meditates in it day and night. Then in verse 3, it goes on and says, he shall be, or she, like a tree planted by rivers of water. And when it's planted by rivers of water, what is it doing? It's putting roots into the nutrients and the moisture to draw from that and to produce fruits. So he shall be like a tree planted by rivers of water that brings forth fruit in its season, whose leaf also shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. Amen. See, if we just stick ourselves somewhere, we don't, we don't do anything with our roots, we're going to wither. I'll tell you, I, I find the body of Christ is filled with shriveled up shrubs. <laughs> you know, we try as, as outside of our walk with God to be less shriveled. Psalm 92 and verse 12 goes on and says, The righteous shall flourish like a palm tree. We're called to flourish, we're called to be fruitful, we're called to be attractive to the world. As we reflect Jesus Christ in me, the hope of glory. If the world don't look at us and see hope, where will they look? Christ in me. For the righteous shall flourish like a palm tree. He shall grow like a cedar in Lebanon. And says, those who are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our gods. They shall still bear fruit in old age. <laughs> they shall be fresh and flourishing. Why? Because we, 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 work, we work on our roots. We recognize our roots. We work on them. We feed them. We place them in, in a place of, of priority in our life. See, if you don't, you know, you can have a, a you, you, you can have, a tree, but it's not going to do anything if his roots, if his roots are bad or his roots aren't being fed. Every plant needs roots. And it needs roots that are taken care of. So the new roots that we have need to be, need to be nourished. See, God doesn't force feed us. He doesn't force feed us. Our feeding, spiritual feeding, is our responsibility. 
He'd done everything to us. See, God didn't change our mind. He changed our spirit. He changed our spirit. And we have to change our mind to, to, the, to the way we live. We have to renew our minds. Hebrews chapter, Romans chapter 12 and verse 2 says, Don't, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed. Now, I believe we, as believers we should be living transformed lives. But be transformed by the renewing of our minds. So we, so we know what is the will and the purpose and the plan of God. The acceptable one. <laughs> I'm quoting from a different translation. It may be gone on the screen. He didn't change our mind. He changed our spirit. We've got a brand new spirit. We are a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, all things have become new. We're new. See, he came to give us the abundant life, but we choose to take up that abundant life and live out our purpose until the end. And right until the end, we will still be fresh and flourishing. There's always something for us to do. There's always part of our purpose still to be worked out right up until the time we take our last breath on earth. See, so I, I believe if we, don't, if we don't take up the, you know, if we don't take up the mantle of the, fruit, the fruitful life, we will end up living the default life. And the default life is that which Jesus speaks of in uh, John chapter 10 and verse 10, where he says, the thief has a purpose. As soon as Adam sinned, in the Garden of Eden, we defaulted to his purpose. And his purpose is to kill, steal, and destroy, the Bible says in John chapter 10. Jesus said that in John chapter 10. He says the thief has a purpose, and that is to kill, steal, and destroy. He wants to kill you of your joy, steal you of your hope, rob you of everything you have. When you get robbed of something, it's horrible, isn't it? And who's been robbed of something? Who's had people burgle their house, break into their house, and, and steal stuff out? Well, you're a blessed lot this morning. <laughs> My wife wears replacement rings because the originals. That, but that ring I bought her when she was 19, 18, she says, with those diamonds and that sapphire. <laughs> And cost me like a, a lot of, quite a few weeks' wages, maybe. <laughs> Just got robbed. And the wedding ring, gone. And it doesn't make you feel good, does it? A thief has a purpose to kill, steal, and destroy. But Jesus said, I have a purpose. And the purpose I've come into this world for. And died on a cross for, forgave you of your sin for, to give you a new life for, is for you to live a rich and a satisfying life. Or the King James says, an abundant life. That's his purpose. And he wants for us to live that out. But if we don't, if we don't take that up, 
If we don't take up that new life in him, we default to the old life which, which is controlled by the enemy. There's a purpose to kill, steal, and destroy. And so you see, we choose where, uh, where we spread those roots. We choose how we nourish those roots. We choose where we put those roots, what we put them into. See, if, if we spread our roots into the things of this, this natural world, then the Bible says that the fruit of our lives will be of corruption. Sorry, but that's what it says in the Bible anyway. And you raise it above your head and say, this is my Bible, it's the word of God. I am who it says I am, do what it says I can do. And my heart's open, my mind's receptive to receive what he has from me this morning. See, it says it in the Bible, for he who sows to the flesh will of the flesh reap corruption, but he who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. Where do you want to reap? What sort of harvest do you want of your life? You know, I want a harvest of, of the things of the Spirit. A harvest of the fruitfulness of the things of God, which he hung on a cross and made available to me. And many of us as believers, we, 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 we just, just take for granted so much of what he did on a cross and don't apply it to our life. And I'm sure God looks upon us sometimes and says, I took care of all that for them. Why are they getting so fret up about it? I took care of all that when I hung on a cross for them. They're battling with this. They're struggling with this. They're living with this going on in their life. And yet I took care of it for them on the cross. Amen. Took care of it. Dealt with. So we could live this abundant life. And reap this everlasting this spirit life, these fruits of the things of the Spirit of God. See, Paul's praise, praise his prayer to the Philippians in Philippians 1 and verse 11. It says that we may be filled with the fruits of righteousness. That's God's desire for our life. And Paul prays it in that Philippian church. See, all the fruitfulness of my life, all the fruits of my life has the potential to be righteous fruits. And yes, a lot of stuff goes and we see come, we, we do things and we see the fruitfulness of our life and we think, oh, I messed up again. I messed up again. Thank God there's a way back. Thank God he hung on a cross for us. And that blood which he shed on the cross 2,000 years ago still flows today. And what a joy it is, what a privilege it is, what an exciting time it is to be able to remember that and celebrate that in a few weeks' time when it's Easter or the spring holiday. <laughs> Easter. <laughs> Easter, the death, the burial, and the resurrection of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Isn't that powerful? You know, what a thing to get excited about. What a thing to get excited about. So why do we need to spread our roots? Why do we need to do something with our roots? And see, there's a lot of reasons why we need to spread our roots. There's so many reasons why we need to put our roots into soil uh, and feed them and nourish them and keep them, keep them active and keep them growing and keep them alive. But, but one of those reasons is that not every season is fruit-bearing. You know, Suzanne mentioned the you know, wilderness experience. How many of you ever said, well, I feel like I'm in a wilderness experience? That's one of you. <laughs> you feel like you're in a wilderness experience. It's, it's, it's like you feel like you're in a dry place. Yeah, come on, if you're honest, you see. You know, most Christians are liars, really, aren't they? <laughs> you just tell a load of porkies. You just make it, make it. You make you look like you know what you're talking about, and you're 
<laughs> you know, I, I grew up in a church, and nobody ever raised their hand in surrender, but they, only ever, but they would raise their hand to vote <laughs> when they thought they could have a say. But when it came to surrender, it was like... <laughs> See, one of the reasons that we need to develop roots is that not every season is fruit-bearing. Sometimes you live our, we live our life and we have seasons in our life where it feels, it feels like we're in a dry place. Where, where we know the God of heaven, but it's like he isn't being active on our behalf. But it doesn't stop us knowing who he is and who we are and having our faith, putting our faith and our belief and our hope in what he's able to do for us. And one of the, so one of those reasons is that not every season is fruit-bearing. Jeremiah chapter 17 and, and verse 5. I want to read it from the Amplified Bible. It says, Thus says the Lord, Cursed is the man who trusts in and relies on mankind, making weak, faulty human flesh his, flesh his strength. I struggle to remember that. Quotations and verses from the Amplified Bible, so I have to read it very slowly. It says, Thus says the Lord, Cursed is the man who trusts in and relies on mankind, making weak, faulty human flesh his strength, and whose mind and heart turn away from the Lord, for he will be like a shrub in the parched desert and shall not see prosperity when it comes, but shall live in the rocky place of the wilderness in an uninhabited salt land and it goes on it goes on the next verse verse 7 it says blessed it picks it back it says blessed with spiritual security is the man who believes and trusts in and relies on the lord and whose hope and confident expectation is in the lord for he will be nourished like tree of tree planted by the waters that spreads out its roots by the river and will not fear the heat when it comes, but its leaves will be green and moist and it will not be anxious and concerned in a year of drought nor stop bearing fruits. Wow. Did you hear that? Did you get that? I'm not going to read it again. <laughs> but you see, you see so well, well, not every season is fruit bearing. Every season is fruit preparing. And someone's in those dry seasons, God is doing a preparing work rather than a rather And we, do, we may not see a reaping work because he is working something in us to work something of himself through us to manifest who he wants to be in us. You hear what I'm saying? So sometimes, you know, you're, you're in a season of life when nothing much seems to be happening uh, on the outside. But if we're confident in who we are, you know, we remain confident that he is doing something on the inside. Painful as it may seem, dry as it may seem, frustrating as it may seem, God is working something in us so he can work something of himself through us. And that's often what will happen in a wilderness experience of life. And when sometimes when we know the God of heaven is for us, but we're not seeing him work for us, and it's one of those times when we need to just be persistent in who we are and our cry for him, never failing to understand that he is able, that he is always God, that God is good, his word is true, and it does always work in our life. Always. But when we start doubting that, we become like this 
tree that is withering because we're not feeding our roots with our faith. See, when Moses, how many you know the story of Moses? Across the Red Sea, he had a, a baby care basket named after him. Lived in some bulrushes. You know, he led the children of Israel to the, to the promised land. Didn't get to see, didn't step into it himself. But, he, he, but when Moses, Moses didn't know that he was the Moses who led the children of Israel out of Egypt when he ran from Pharaoh. He just thought he was Moses. He didn't know he was going to have a basket named after him. He was just Moses. He was living out this, the, the scriptures as we read in real time. And you know that I've often thought about it because it fascinates me. When we read the Bible, we're reading it like they knew the Bibles. They were it. They, they, they were it, living it, not knowing tomorrow. They were, they were living it, not having read the last page. Now, we are, we, how much more can we experience the blessing and the fullness of God because we know that we've read the last page? This is a long time ago. Moses was his little baby. And so he didn't know that he was this Moses who was going to lead the children of Israel out of Egypt and this, be this great leader when he ran from Pharaoh. So Moses left this position of privilege. He left this position of provision for a position of obscurity in the wilderness. But even in that position of obscurity, and the reason he went into that position of obscurity, because he knew who he was and he knew whose he was. And he, and he saw an injustice and he reacted. He said, well, he, he shouldn't have done that. You know, how many of you have ever done something in a reaction <laughs> that, that you regretted? The moment you've done it. And it sort of leads you into a point of obscurity. But thank God there's a way back. You know, God hasn't finished with us yet. Moses killed somebody. Because he saw an injustice. He tried to cover it up, bury somebody. But then he goes on the run. And sometimes you see our, our actions. That are a result of our reaction, if you like. Take us out of alignment. You ever find yourself in your walk with God out of alignment? I'm just preaching to myself this morning because, you know, I just have a mirror here like we had in the old church, you know, with the mirrors on the walls and that. You know, because if I'm the only one who's done something, it's put, us out of, it's put me out of alignment of what God has for me, his best for me. Um, and when, you, when you've lived a little while, you look back over your life and you see, well, that, 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 decision I made and that choice I made and that step I took took me out of alignment but thank God he's able to bring me back into alignment when I surrender to him so he brings me back so this this decision that, that Moses took took him out of alignment but you see even when we're out of alignment God still has us in his sights he still has us in his sight. And if you're in a position this morning, you say, you know, I feel like of what I've done and where I am, I'm just out of alignment slightly. God still has you in his sights. Because he hasn't finished with you yet. 
If you're still breathing, he hasn't finished with you on this earth. He still has has that assignment that you feel you've come out of alignment for. He still has that assignment there. And so Moses, Moses takes himself out of alignment with God. But even when we're out of alignment, God still has his sights on us. And even when we're out of alignment, that doesn't change who we are. And of course, it doesn't change whose we are. You see, your wilderness experience doesn't destroy your calling. Your wilderness experience may delay some things because it takes you out of alignment. You, you get there because you're out of alignment slightly, but it doesn't change, it doesn't change your calling. Because God hasn't finished with us. There's, there's, there's still life in you yet. And so Moses there, he's lived 40 years in the Egyptian prince. He lived 40 years, and he ends up living 40 years as a shepherd. And he was still able to hear the voice of God. If you know the story of Moses in, in, in Exodus, you know, God, he, he, he kills this one of, one of, his, one of his people. Oh, so he kills one who's, 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 who's persecuting his people because he sees an injustice. And he runs and he finds himself... He finds himself out in the wilderness and he finds himself in this place. And he sits down at a well somewhere. Could have been Starbucks. Just to, to take a break. He sits down somewhere at this watering hole. He sits down there and, and, and what he's sitting, just contemplating you know, where he is and what he's done, how he's got to this place. You know, these, these, these girls turn up. And they turn up with their sheep. And they're the daughters of a guy called Jethro, who's the priest of Midian. And Jethro, this priest of Midian, he's a godly man, but he's not one of God's people. And he sends his, 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 all his daughters to, to, with the sheep to the watering place, but they're frustrated because when they get to the watering place, they, 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 there's, there's other shepherds there. They come push them out of the way because they're just these girls and... Jethro's girls, and they just brought, and, and so, but Moses sticks up for them. He sees an injustice again. And he feeds all their water, he gets the water for their sheep, and he feeds them and takes care of them. And then they get back home with the sheep real quick. And Jethro says, Man, alive, you got back early. How come you're so quick today? He says, Well, there was a guy there named Moses, and he, and, and he helped us, and he shooed off all these rebels that were trying to, you know, Get in front of us with the sheep. We go, and, and Mo Jethro looks at them and says, are you, are you crazy? There's a, there's a gentleman there who knows how to treat women and you didn't bring him back home. He just left him there. He's checking you out. I've got these seven daughters. You know, I need some son-in-laws. And you left them there. Go get him. Bring him for dinner. And so they go, they run all the way back to the well, find Moses. Fortunately, he's still there. Takes him back home. Starts working for Jethro. Jethro finds one of his girls for him, cooks, hooks them together, and they, just, they, they, and, and they just start doing life together. But 40 years on, Moses finds himself in the backside of the desert. Just doing the right thing. 
40 years on, Moses is 80 years old. If you're, think, if you're here this morning thinking that you're too old for something, you've gone past the best before date. And you're holding on to a promise. God's not finished with you yet. This could be your day. Because this turns out to be the day for Moses. In Exodus chapter 2 and 3, we get the story of, of, of Moses there. In Exodus chapter 3 and verse 1, it says, Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the backside or the back of the desert. He led them to the back of the, the place where you think that is the worst of the worst of the worst. Look, everything is, you know, he's, 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 he's lived out his life. He knows who he is, and he knows who he is. He's just been doing the right thing by Jethro, taking care of these sheep and working with his, Jethro's daughter, raising a family, doing the right thing. But he feels like, you know, I've got as far, it's like I've, I've got to the end of the, end of the road. I'm in this wilderness experience. Everything has dried up for me. It's not how it was meant to be. But he's still, been, he's still worshiping his God because he knows who he is and he knows who he is. And it says here, and, he, and, and, he, and Moses was tending the flock of Jethro's father-in-law. He didn't have anything of his own. 80 years old. Didn't have a pension. Looking after someone else's sheep, he, he didn't, couldn't retire. He's looking after the sheep of his father-in-law, Jethro, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the back of the desert. He's leading them to the... It feels like he's leading them into a place of, no, nothing's going for him. And then the next verse, the next line, says, and he came... To Horeb, the mountain of God. I tell you, you don't, you, and he came to, he leads him to the backside of the desert. And he comes to Horeb, the mountain of God. Maybe you don't, you don't, you don't appreciate the significance of that. Because you can be at the end of your tether. You can feel like you're at the back of beyond. You can feel like nothing much has taken place and you feel like you've messed up and you've done wrong and you missed your calling and everything has gone wrong. But you lead him to the backside of the desert and he came to Horeb, the mountain of God's. Horeb, the mountain of God. Sometimes we hear the, the, hear the mountain of God refer to this same place referred to as Mount Sinai. Maybe that gets your attention a little bit more. Where Moses later on goes up there and he gets the law of the Lord. Maybe, maybe you, you don't recognize this as being the same place where, the, where we all sometimes call in the New Testament as the mountain of the transfiguration. He leads them to the Mount Horeb, the mountain of God. And on the Horeb, the mountain of God, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire from the midst of a bush. 
And he looked, and behold, the bush was burning with fire, but the bush was not consumed. Then Moses said, I will not turn aside and see this great sight. Why the bush does not burn? And so right at the end of his tether, he finds himself in this place. You know, he's 80 years old. He feels like he's coming to the the end of his life. He's looking after someone else's sheep. He's at the backside of the desert where nothing much takes place. But he finds himself, he comes to the mountain of God. The place where God starts to reveal himself afresh to him. The place where he hears God's voice afresh. And God starts to remind him of who he is. Because it goes on and it says, come on, who am I? Who is this I'm talking to? I am the God of your father, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I am who I say I am. I can do what I can say I can do. I haven't finished with you yet. You may feel like everything's over. You may feel like everything's gone. But you're right here in the will of God. You're right here in the place where I can take hold of you and use you. You have all these excuses. You may not be able to speak very well. You may have terrible grammar. And you may make up words and just be a bit of a... You know, not, not very proficient in much things, but I tell you, I've got my hand on you. And I have a purpose for you. See, what had he been doing? He'd been feeding, he'd been nourishing his roots, so he turns to God who reminds him of then who he is. See, he knew where to turn. See, even when you think you're a failure, even when you think you're at the backside of the desert, you can still find the mountain of God. If you know your roots and you work on your roots, you can still, you know you can still find the mountain of God. You can still find that place of intimacy. You can still find that place where he will direct you. You can still find, how many of you get to a place where you think, I, I haven't heard God speak to me for years? Well, go yourself to the mountain of God. Go up to that high place. The place where God reveals himself. The place where you get nourished. The place where you get fed. Moses has been wandering around for 40 years. In the wilderness, for 40 years he was just living as a prince and a prince and a, and a, in a place of privilege, not really who he was, out of, out of, you know, out of alignment in that sense. Because, but in that place he was, he was in the will of God because he was being protected to fulfill God's purpose and God's plan for his life. You know, don't ever think that the season you're in in life is just a waste of time. It's a preparing season for God to do something in you and through you. You may not feel like you're being very fruitful. You may feel like all that stuff which God spoke to you about you know, when you heard, heard it, when you could hear his voice way back there those years ago. It's not taking place. But God hasn't finished with you yet. God hasn't finished with you. And he recognizes the voice of God. And he was able to refocus. He was able to become who he was born to be. Able to become who he was born to be. You get many examples of that in the Bible where people, you know, they feel like it seems like they're in a place of insignificance. Of course, we know David for who he was, the king of Israel. In the lineage of Jesus. But he didn't know that when he was in the worshiping, when he was worshiping God in the fields looking after sheep. Not even considered worthy of being called into the prophet because he was just a shepherd boy looking after those few sheep. He didn't know when he slayed Goliath that he would be who he was called to be. He didn't go to that battlefield looking for, looking for a giant to kill. He just went to that battlefield taking some supplies to his brothers and maybe just being nosy. 
Daniel didn't know what, what, what would become of him being a man of prayer and choosing to pray to the God of heaven rather than the gods of this world. He didn't know he was going to be the only man who, who survived the lion's den when he was thrown in there. Church, God did a work in you. God invested in you to become mighty men and women of God. Just as he did with little, Mo, little Moses when he was placed in the bulrushes. The reason we know he was placed in the bulrushes was because his mother saw him as a beautiful child. It doesn't say she knew him. She, say she hid him in the bulrushes because he was going to lead the children of Israel out of Egypt. She placed him in the bulrushes because she saw something beautiful in him and knew that beauty needed to be preserved. It's what she knew. See, God did a work in you and he invested in you to become a mighty man or a woman of God. You know, we find ourselves in wilderness seasons, but church, we can still bear fruits. We can still bear fruit. Come on, don't be one of these who becomes a parched shrub. Just taking, just, just believing that that's your place in life. God has a purpose for you. He has destiny for you. You see, we need to be a people, I believe, who reach out to the mountain of God and bear the fruit that we are created, we're created to produce. I don't know what was going through Moses' mind then when he was in the back of the wilderness, but he, he's like he's gone as far as he can go. But what a place to, 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 to go to. And he came to the mountain of God's. I tell you, maybe there's some of you here this morning that feel like you're in a, in a, in a dry place, feel you're like in a parched land, feel you're like you're just a, you know, a shriveled shrub. You know. But today you can come to the mountain of God's. You can come to the place where he hears your voice. You can come to the place where you can draw from his, from his nutrients and be who you, he's called you to be. Let's go back to Jeremiah chapter 17 and verse 5. It says, thus says the Lord, cursed is the man who trusts in and relies on mankind, making weak, faulty human flesh his strength, and whose mind and heart turn away from the Lord. For he will be like a shrub in a parched desert. And shall not see prosperity when it comes, but shall live in a rocky place of the wilderness in an uninhabited salt land. It goes on and it says, blessed. Blessed with spiritual security is the man who believes and trusts in and relies on the Lord. No matter where you are, no matter what you're going through, no matter what seems to be thrown at you. And whose hope, come on, how many of you have got a hope? And an expectation in the Lord. A hope and an expectation in the Lord. Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 1 says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of those things not yet seen. 
Come on, he says, you know, blessed, is the man, blessed with spiritual security is the man who believes and trusts in and rule, relies on the Lord and whose hope and confident expectation is in the Lord. For he will be nourished like a tree planted by the waters that spreads out its roots by the river and will not fear the heat when it comes. But its leaves will be green and moist and it will not be anxious and concerned in a year of droughts nor stop bearing fruit. Come on, you need to know where to draw your sustenance from. You need to know where to draw life from. You need to know when you get into a place of a dry land and a parched land, you know, you feel like in a wilderness experience, you need to know where to draw your juice from, draw your fertilizer from, draw your life from to be who God's called you to be. It's amazing. I find it amazing. I don't want to dig myself in a hole, but I find it amazing when people come and they say, you know, we're believing for this touch wood. Man alive. Oh, I'm getting all in a fret, not in a panic. Oh, there's some wood over. Oh, maybe it's because Jesus was a carpenter. I don't know. Oh, can't walk over there. Oh, can't live in room number 13. Come on, give me number 13. <laughs> Somebody said to me once, you know, they're going to be okay, church wood. I said, man, like you're a believer in the God of heaven himself. Why don't you just stop touching wood or maybe his head's wood. Go touch his head, which is wood, and pray in the spirit of God and pray healing and deliverance and breakthrough and see the God of heaven himself perform a miracle because that bit of wood's not going to do any good. I need to take that bit of wood and hit you over the head with it. Come on. And then people, people look at us and think we're nuts. Think Christians are nuts. And yet they're putting their faith in a piece of wood. They think we're weird. Oh, someone, if someone darts across there and touch a piece of wood, it's probably only, only paper mache anyway. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, I don't know what I'm going to do. I need to look at my horrible scopes. Believers who believe in Jesus Christ, they will look in the newspaper or whatever you find them now. I don't know where they are, but they find that this, this, this horoscope that's going to tell them something and give them some insight into a decision to make. Or whatever. Thank God we serve the God who said, stars be, and they were. And we expect God to do something for us. No wonder we find ourselves in, dark, in parched and desert places when we're drawing our sustenance from something which the Bible speaks of as being, uh, where does it say it? Cursed is the man who trusts in and relies on mankind, making weak, faulty, human, fleshy, woody his strength. And his mind and heart turn away from the Lord, for he will be like a shrub. In the parched and desert, and shall not be see prosperity when it comes, but shall live in the rocky place of the wilderness, in an uninhabited soul. The blessed with spiritual security is the man who believes and trusts in and relies on the Lord, and whose hope and confident expectation is the Lord. For he will be nourished like the tree planted by the waters. 
You see, you get nourished by what you plant yourself next to and into and where you put your roots. That spreads out its roots by the river and will not fear the heat when it comes, but its leaves will be green and moist and it will not be anxious and concerned in a year of drought nor stop bearing fruits. You know, sometimes, sometimes when, we, when we are in a place of, of, of need, when we're in a place of wordness, we, we do all sorts of crazy things to try and make things happen. We're trusting God. Sometimes you see, sometimes, why, why would I reach out to something that he was manifest to destroy? Like superstition. Horrible scopes. Why would I reach out? He, he came to destroy the works of the devil. Not for us to celebrate them. Not for us to reach them. Not for us to put our confidence in them. And put our hope in them. Just put our hope and our confident expectation in the Lord. Do you hear what I'm saying? Am I preaching good to you today? That's good. Sometimes we need to hear some things about our roots, about who we are, not who we used to be, not who Bob next door thinks we should be. How many times do you find yourself going along with someone's crazy theology because we don't want to sort of upset the apple cart? Because we don't want to just feel, make it sound like we're just being difficult. We're being Bible caught. Not difficult. Sometimes we, <laughs> sometimes we just, sometimes we just, we just go along with the flow. And just because we don't, we just want to keep the status quo. Instead of standing up for what Jesus Christ died for. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. That whoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. Gave his life for us. He gave his life for us. He gave his life for you. He gave his life for me. He laid it down. Well, it says signs follow the preaching of the word. I know sometimes we find ourselves in situations, because I've been there, when we feel like, and we've been singing about it this morning, you know, we know God, and, 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 we, but we, and we know he's working in the, behind the scenes. If like, we find ourselves in, in, in wilderness times in our life, it's down on our feet as we just... Stay focused. Nobody leave. Nobody move around. Just allow what you've heard this morning just to sink. You know, we say that our, our minds ready and our hearts receptive. 
God wants us to receive His words. Maybe you're here this morning, you feel like you're in a season. Not just, maybe not just total wilderness, but in a, areas in your life where you feel like you're in a wilderness. Areas in your life where you feel like it's, things are on hold and things are dried up and you're believing God for something to change. Or you feel like you're in the backside of the desert and it's like you've come to the end and there's You've just been laying stuff down, laying stuff down, laying stuff down. And... But I want to tell you this morning, that in that place, just like Moses, and all else in that area that you're believing for seems hopeless, you can come to the mountain of God. You can come to the place where He reveals Himself. And we don't go to that physical place now, but He's right here in this place this morning. His presence is here. There's anointing and anointing in here this morning that's very strong. His presence is here. And He wants to work in us so He can work through us. But if you're here this morning, I want to give you an opportunity just to come stand here in the front and let's pray together. Because I know you can place your hand on your heart and you can pray those prayers yourself where you are and that's good and that's right and that's powerful. But there's nothing quite like taking a few steps and demonstrating that maybe this morning you're in a, you've got a place in your life which feels like you're in a wilderness, in a dry place. But you're saying this morning, I want to come to the mountain of God. I want to hear his voice afresh. I want to realign his plans and his purpose with who I am this morning. I'm going to work on my roots. So if that's you this morning, you feel like it's an area of dryness. You're not hearing from God. Maybe you've been drawing from all other sources. drawn from other sources that are giving you false hope. You're drawn on superstition. You're drawn on someone else's opinion. But this morning, as God is speaking to you, saying, I want to draw on His strength. And I want to put that wilderness experience behind me and I want to step into what He has for me. I want to come to the mountain of God. If that's you this morning, just as we worship right now, just come step in the front here. Just come, come right, right now. Don't be embarrassed. Don't be afraid. Nobody looks at anybody in this house in, in judgment. In judgment. If that's you this morning, just come right now. Just come. The Holy Spirit is moving this morning. Well, the signs follow the preaching of the words. The word is powerful. It's powerful. It's powerful. It divides and it separates. It brings revelation. It brings fresh understanding. Maybe you heard something you've never heard before this morning. Maybe it's new to you. You just want to respond 
because you don't feel like you are who you're called to be. You don't feel like you're doing what God laid on your heart. You feel like you're in a barren place. But church, I tell you, in that barren place, in that dryness, in that wilderness, God has been working in you. He's still watching over you. He hasn't forgotten you. He's just perfecting you. He's bringing you to that place where you can say, I find myself at the mountain of God. That place of healing, that place of restoration, that place of realignment. Don't be embarrassed. Don't be embarrassed. Maybe you're here this morning, you've never even accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior of your life. Or maybe you maybe you have, but you're just not living right now. You're just not living right. And you say, just as you've been speaking, I've heard God speak to me and it's brought me to that place. Like a mountain of God experience. I need to put things right. Recommit my life to Jesus. That's you this morning. So every head is bowed, every eye is closed. Just raise your hand. Just raise your hand so I can see it. I want to pray with you. Give you an opportunity to pray a prayer that will change your life. Is there anybody here this morning who says, I just need to put myself right with God? There may not be anybody. But if there is, just not go from this place without giving that, without taking that opportunity to pray a prayer. Let's all just pray this prayer. Say, Heavenly Father, I come right now to you. In the name of Jesus, I recognize I need to step out of this wilderness I find myself in because of the way I've been living. I ask you to forgive me and give me a brand new future. I confess with my mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in my heart that God raised him from the dead. So I know that I'm saved in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. If that was you this morning, you need to know that you're in the right place with God right now. Tend your roots. Dig deep and allow Him to sustain you. But it's as we worship, as we close out this morning, if anybody's got anything like anything going on in their life, I want to give you the opportunity to pray with you. Because I know God is working in people this morning. I know He's working in the lives of people today. just as we worship as we close out this morning. Don't go from this place and regret not responding. Because right here is the mountain of God. Right, amen. Right here is His presence. Yes. yes. And where His presence is, there's fullness of joy. Yes. Where His presence is, there is restoration. Yes. Where His presence is, there is realignment. Where His presence is, there is victory. Where His presence is, there is healing. Where His presence is, there is provision. Where His presence, there is everything which He did on the cross for us. Don't miss out on something of His presence this morning. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Let's worship Jesus. 